since we are talking about Army, tomorrow is uh, Memorial Day. Would you all stand with us, please? And we have a lot of military here, but the rest of us, we're all in the Lord's armies. I may never march in the infantry, ride in the Just a minute now. My Marine Corps husband would really come down on you. I want to hear a yes, sir, out there. I may never march in the infantry, ride in the palace, shoot the artillery. I may never fly over the enemy, but I'm in the Lord's army. That's better. I'm in the Lord's army. I'm in the Lord's army. Good job, you guys. Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. He is trampling out the bandits where the bricks of wrath are stored. He is out the flame of lightning of his terrible support. This truth is marching on. Glory, glory, hallelujah. Glory, glory,
Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the opportunity to gather with our brothers and sisters in a country where many lives were sought, were fought and lost to make it that way. As we celebrate Memorial Day tomorrow, make us aware of the men and women whose lives lost and, the, and our Savior whose life was lost also. Keep us always in your care. Be with Daniel as he gives the message. And we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Everybody, treat, greet, treat, treat your, treat your neighbor with a wave. We're, we're, going, we're doing <laughs> holy Hello. hands, Glad everybody. Holy hands. Hi, everybody. Hi, everybody. I'm having trouble talking anymore. Okay. Okay, y'all can sit down now. Y'all. Yeah, I can. I have a legal right to say that. Okay. This is a very friendly church. We have a family here with a family of God, and we wish everybody who has had a birthday a happy birthday. Anybody had a birthday this week? Yeah. Come on up. Who? Mimi. Mimi. Oh, Mimi. All right. Right. She can come up here. Good deal. Okay, stand right there and turn right. around so they can see you. There we go. Okay, Mimi says she's four, but she's really six. Okay, ready? Going to sing happy birthday, Mimi? Ready? Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Mimi, may the Lord bless you more and more each day, and may you not be too much of a, too much for your grandpa to take care of you. <laughs> we appreciate you bringing her every Sunday. What a blessing she's been. Uh, how about anniversaries? Has anybody yes, had, an has anniversary? had an anniversary? Aha! Uh-huh. And your name is? Joyce And your husband? Brian. Brian? Okay. Uh, how many years, Joyce? Fifty-five years. Happy anniversary to you. Happy anniversary to you. Happy anniversary, God bless you. Happy anniversary to you. God bless you, sir, for coming here and sharing that with us. We we just pray that the Lord will bless you and your husband even more. And Join you closer together with love. Because he sure loves you. He loves every one of us so much. Thank you. Um, what else? Birthdays, anniversaries, first time here. Anybody here? Larry and stand up. Well, you can just, just Larry can stand up. There's babies involved. Go ahead. <laughs> what, what did you just have a birthday? You just had a birthday? Back in February. <laughs> Close enough for me. <laughs> anyway, Larry, to them. Where, where are you from? My mom and dad. <laughs> <laughs> Mostly your mom. <laughs> okay. It don't take much for this group to deteriorate. Yeah, been, been back in Tennessee. I gotta quit talking like that. I'm not from <laughs> Texas anymore. I had to leave Texas because I forgot the Alamo. What's that? 
seriously. I told my sister I wanted to come back down to Austin and, and visit the Alamo. It's in San Antonio. <laughs> She's still mad at me, and that was 20 years ago. Okay. Announcements. That's me. Oh, I didn't even get a bulletin. Oh, thank you. Somebody's got to take care of me. Don't we all? Tuesday, Tops meets over in the Fellowship Hall uh, at 7 a.m. And Thursday, the Quilters. How many are do, still doing the quilting here? Yay! And and Laura's learning. Why didn't you put your thing right? <laughs> okay, uh, Friday is Teen Rec Night. Saturday fellowship breakfast at the eatery at oh no not the eatery, at Karen's. Okay. Now I have a question for you. It's going to be warm out there tonight. Pardon? Seven thirty in the morning, Saturday mornings. Okay. Y'all come out. Oh, there I did it again. It's kicking in now. I'll be glad when Jerry gets by, gets back, and I'll have to straighten out a little bit. So, uh, yeah, 7.30 Saturday morning. It's, uh, it's a good time. Good food. Um, What's happening tonight? Pardon? Happening well, tonight? Uh, tonight we're scheduled to have a uh, potluck. And it's really hot to be cooking hot dogs and hamburgers. How many want to cancel it? Until no. It's cooler? No. 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 <laughs> Dude, I'm making spaghetti here, man. Oh, you are? Yes. Okay. Stop off at everybody's house and give them some. <laughs> All right, I'll be out there making hamburgers at, be ready at 6 o'clock. Okay, 6 o'clock, potluck in the fellowship. Oh. She does, yeah. Okay, um, moving on. Pardon? Oh, okay. Okay, here we go. Now, since this is better, uh, Memorial Day, tomorrow is a celebration. Today we're, tomorrow's Memorial Day, today we're celebrating. How many veterans do we have here today? Stand up, please. And I'm already standing. Okay, how, how many wives were with your married that while they were in the service? Um, the wives, they serve too. I don't know how many. I've, I've talked with this, other people about this. They serve just as much as the, as the serviceman does. Okay. How many army do we have here? Marines. Air Force. Okay. <laughs> Air Force over here. Oh, bless your heart. And Fred. I'm getting to that. <laughs> uh, somebody asked. We had a little discussion one day. Go ahead. Go ahead and sit down. Thank you. Navy. Oh, my gosh. 
One of the more. <laughs> well, see, that's what I get. I got sidetracked. Navy, yes. The Coast Guard. Coast Guard is assigned to the Navy during time of war. When I was in Vietnam, I was under the Navy, so two years of Coast Guard, two years. So Marines are it. Yeah. <laughs> how many? Okay, that's enough. I've lost control, Lord. Come back down. Come back, Lord, please. Now, what was I going to say? How many of you are proud to serve your country? Oh, I am. This is this was a this is a great country, even still. Um, okay, is that what else do we have to do? Pray. Now, give you time to walk down here. Okay. <laughs> Let's pray. Father in heaven, we do thank you for your love. Father, we thank you for your mercies. Father, we thank you for the healing. Father, I pray that you would watch over each and every person. We prayed for these people this morning in Sunday school, and Lord, I brought them to your attention. And I ask you to heal and to mend us as you need to that in your time and in your way. And Father, we pray for Milo, for Micah and Macy, young children, for Nancy now. Father, we just pray that... You would heal her of the cancer that she has um, contracted. Father, we just pray that you would heal her. For Angelina, um, pray that you would take that cancer away. For Bob, Jeremiah's dad, Father, heal him completely. For Laura, uh, back in uh, other situations. And also for AG, and and, um, got the COVID, and uh, for Sheena, kidneys, and... Tina, Trina, uh, gallbladder, and Linda, bless her heart, uh, and Dell. We just pray, Lord, that you would heal these people, um, bring them back to good health, and restore them. Now as we get into the rest of the service, we ask you in the name of Jesus to open Daniel's heart. Preach to us, Father. Teach us something new and wonderful. And we pray that uh, you would, each and every one of us, would receive it with thanksgiving. In Jesus' name, amen. us today. Alright. Alright, good morning everybody. Good morning. Uh, hopefully everyone's having a good Memorial Weekend so far. Um, today we're going to continue through 1 Timothy. Um, and that's because I'm not really somebody that does topical messages very much. Um, so that being said, when I, when I speak or teach or preach, and you can ask the teens that come on Sundays about this, we, we don't really bounce around to different areas of the Bible very much. We, we started in the book of John way back when I started here, and we've slowly made our way through that book, verse by verse and chapter by chapter. And so um, nothing's going to be different for us today, right? We started in 1 Timothy chapter 1 last week, and we went through it verse by verse. And so um, we're going to continue to do so today. So today we're going to be in 1 Timothy chapter 2. And already I can see some of you guys shifting uncomfortably in your seats, right? 
Because anyone who's familiar with First Timothy or anyone who's happened to, be, happened to be paying attention last week when I gave a brief overview of every chapter of First Timothy, well, you know that this chapter contains exhortations or, or commands which define the roles for men and women in the church. And so some of you are sitting here today thinking, well, I like this guy uh, until now, and, but today's probably the day where I'm going to dislike him, right? Or, or others of you are sitting here thinking, well, I never liked this guy, and today is the day that I finally have a good reason for that. <laughs> but, but hopefully there's a few of you here today who are thinking, well, I know what I think the roles in the church should be, and I know what society says that, that men and women's roles in the church should be. But, but man, I, I just, I want to know what God says the roles should be so that, so that I can realign my thinking with his. So, so whichever of those three you might be, well, well I hope that you'll listen not to what I have to say about this, but, but what the Bible says, because like we talked about last week, well, well, I have no authority. Man has no authority, but, but, but Scripture, Scripture does have authority, and so it, it's Scripture that we have to submit to, even when that can be hard. So let me, let me pray for us real quick, and then, and then we'll, we'll jump in. Father God, thank you for just us being able to gather here today. Um, thank you for all the men and women here in this congregation and, and throughout the United States who, who have served to help give us the ability to meet freely. Um, Father, I, I pray that we wouldn't come into the to this morning with any preconceived notions about this text, but that we would come in with open hearts, just willing to, to listen to what your word says. And if we are not in a line with, with what your word says, that we would be able to recognize that and be willing to, to resubmit to you, realign our thinking with what, what your word says. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so if you have a Bible today, well, let's go ahead and turn to First Timothy chapter 2. First, First Timothy chapter 2, and while you do that, well, let me start off with this. The, the culture that we live in today, well, well, it can be very hostile towards anyone who claims to know absolute truth. Our culture tells us that, that we can live however we want to live, we can be anything that we want to be. The common saying is, live your best life right? As long as living your best life doesn't impose your beliefs onto my life. I mean, that's, that's the ultimate sin that someone could commit against somebody else in today's society. And this is especially true when it comes to religious beliefs today too, right? That this is especially true for Christians that want to share the gospel. Why, why is that? Well, 
Because our message, the, the message of the gospel, well, it's pretty much absolute. There is no other name under heaven given to people, and, and we must be saved by it, says Acts 4.12. So, so our message is exclusive, right? Our message is exclusive, but our witness cannot be. We've been commanded to make disciples of all nations, Matthew twenty-eight nineteen, which means that no one is left out. No one is left out because of race or nationality or economic status. The absolute and exclusive claims of the gospel are to be shared universally with all people. And so, what we're going to get to the hard part of 1 Timothy chapter 2, but we need to first sit on the first half of this chapter. Because in it, well, in it, Paul, Paul reminds Timothy that our hearts need to be aligned with God's heart. And God desires that, that all peoples are saved. So let's, let's go ahead and jump in. 1 Timothy chapter 2, starting in verse 1. I'm in the wrong place. There we go. It says, first of all, first of all then, I urge that Entreaties and prayers, petitions and thanksgivings be made on behalf of all men, for kings and all who are in authority, so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. So, so in chapter 1, what, what Paul provides us with a foundation. Paul provides a, a gospel foundation. And he commands Timothy, this, this young pastor and, and this church in Ephesus, to, to guard the gospel, to celebrate the gospel, and to fight for the gospel. And now, well now based on this, on this gospel foundation that's been laid, well now Paul starts to give practical exhortations to the church here in chapter 2. And so well, what's the first thing that he brings up? Public worship. Public worship. The, the first words he says here, first of all, but we'll, the, these words are like big flashing lights trying to draw your attention in on, the, on this initial exhortation. How is it that, that you can guard the gospel, celebrate the gospel, fight for the gospel? Prayer. Prayer. The, the church is on, on a life or death mission surrounded by people who, who don't know the saving work of Jesus Christ. And these people are, are destined for, for eternal hell if nothing changes. And so, as a follower of Christ, what can you do? Well, the first thing that you need to do according to this is pray. It's the first thing that you do, but it's also the easiest thing that you can do. You don't need to, to get out of bed. You don't have to get out of your pajamas. 
You don't have to leave your house. You don't, you don't even have to talk to anybody. Just, just to God. If you want to have an, an, an influence on, on the lost people around you and around the world, then, then you need to pray. If you want to have an influence on presidents and kings and queens and dictators and rulers, then you need to pray. If you want to be part of seeing people die and go to heaven instead of hell, then you need to pray. So all that begs the question, well, who are we supposed to be praying for? And Paul uses four different words in verse 1, all having to do with prayer. What are they? Well, Paul tells us that we need to make petitions, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgivings that doesn't tell us who, right? But, but at the end of verse 1, Paul says that, that we are to pray for, for all men, right? Some of your translations might say everyone. We need to be praying for every kind of person. The point isn't that we pray for every individual person in the world by name, but that we pray for all kinds of people. Ephesus was a church that was made up of Jews and Gentiles. And Paul's telling them that, need to be, that they need to be praying for one another. In a church where false teachers are, are limiting salvation to only the elite, the, the best Christians, Paul is urging these people not, not to limit their prayers. Prayers not just for the elite or for certain nationalities or races, no, Paul says that there's no category of person that, that you should pray for. So, so there must be diversity in our praying. Next, Paul says that we need to be praying for, for leaders in high positions. And so within the broader category of all people, well, Paul tells the church at Ephesus that they need to be praying for kings and all those in authority. So, so this is coming at a time when, when the emperor of Rome was a man named Nero, a man who violently persecuted Christians in the first century. And there were probably very few, if any, Christian leaders in the world at this time. And yet, well, well what is Paul saying here? Pray. Pray for these non-Christian pagan leaders Pray for the king that you're suffering under. Pray for that leader even though you don't agree with his policies. Pray for the ruler even though you don't really approve of them. Because this is God's will. And these instructions from Paul still have relevance for us here today. Even when we don't face physical persecution, if you're a Christian in America... Well, are you praying for the current president? Even if you don't agree with all his stances or his policies, we're still called to love him and pray for him. And not only him, but we're called to be praying for the, for the vice president and the senators and the governors and, and all the government officials. We need to be praying for the leaders of other countries. I, Iraq, Iran, 
Israel, North Korea. The, the Bible tells us to pray for those who are in authority. So my question for you right now is, are you praying for them? Or are you just watching the news, reading the news, and becoming frustrated and angry? Paul says that, that we need to be praying for leaders and, and not praying that God is going to come down and smite them. Paul tells us who, who we are to pray for, but he also tells us what we are to pray for. These specific instructions are coming from an apostle. right? We talked about that last week. The apostle Paul says that we are to pray for leaders so that we may lead a tranquil and quiet life in all godliness and dignity. What Paul is saying here isn't just simple. It has layers to it. So what are they? Well, one, one of our goals of praying should be peace amid persecution. We, we pray for our leaders in a way that promotes peace, which leads to the church being enabled to flourish. So, so not in opposition to the state, but under the protection of the state. Those in authority can provide a, an umbrella of peace for the church that allows it to thrive and proclaim the gospel freely. That's not to say that the, that the gospel cannot spread amid persecution. It, it can. But in this context... Christians and churches can freely live out the call of Christ and demonstrate the life of Christ for all people to see. In America, we still have the freedom to live out the implications of the gospel freely where others can see that, and that's a good thing. And we need to be praying for that to continue. But... We also need to be praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ who, who don't have that freedom. People in places like Egypt, Saudi Arabia, North Korea, we need to be praying that, the, that these peaceful doors will, will open so that countries that, that allow for the proclamation of the gospel. Paul seems to be saying also that we need to be praying for leaders so that even if they persecute us, we will still live a tranquil and quiet life in, in all godliness and dignity. And so I, I can imagine the anger and the frustration that, that would grow in my heart if, if I was persecuted by the leaders or rulers in our own country. And, and yet Paul says, no. No, you, you need to pray for them. And through that, through prayer, will, will the church will be equipped to live lives of godliness and dignity amid persecution. That, that was one goal. That was that was one goal of of our praying, right? But let me offer you a second goal now. We need to be praying for salvation for the persecutors. We, we pray for the, the leaders and the rulers and, and now even 
the persecutors, that, that they would come to the knowledge of truth in, in verse 4, right? When you pray for someone, well, it becomes a lot harder for you to hate them. And so, in and through all of this, Paul is saying, first and foremost, that, that the church needs to pray for, for all people, for, for leaders in high positions, and for the gospel to, to spread through a peaceful, quiet, godly, and dignified church. So, so while salvation ultimately belongs to God, and, and even our prayers are His work in us, well, God has chosen to use the prayers of His people to ultimately accomplish His good will. We, we need to hear this truth. We're surrounded by people who are lost, who, who are on their way to everlasting suffering, and, and we want them to know the eternal satisfaction that can only be found in Christ. A.B. A. Simpson, who, who founded the Christian, Christian and Missionary Alliance, of which we are a church of, well, well it said that he would that he would wake up in the morning and he would get down on his knees and he would hold a globe close and he would weep in prayer. Like, what a powerful image. Right? This should be a picture of our lives. Not, not only as we go out of here every week, but any time that we gather with other Christians. We need to be taking the time to pray. Moving on. Verse 3. This is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and, and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator also between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. So we know who to pray for, and we know what to pray for, but, but why do we pray like this? Well, verses 3 through 6 give us that answer, right? So, so let me offer you three possible explanations from Paul. First, we pray because God desires salvation of all people. We see that in verse 4. When we pray for all peoples in the world to be saved, Jew or Gentile, friend or enemy, Democrat or Republican, well, your, heart become, your heart begins to, to come in line with God's heart. Because God desires their salvation. But, but let me try and be clear about what this does and does not mean. This does not mean that all people will be saved. This is a popular verse for those who believe in something called universalism. The belief that in the end, all people will ultimately be saved. And their reasoning is something like this. Well, God desires all people to be saved, and God gets what He desires, so then all people will be saved. Well, that's certainly not 
what this passage is saying, and the entirety of Scripture doesn't teach that either, right? Scripture is clear that we are saved by grace through faith in Christ. Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, and and that, that only those who trust in His salvation will experience the eternal life. John 3, 36. This also does not mean that God's will has been stopped. Some people will argue that, well, if God desires all people to be saved and not all people are saved, well, that means that God's not actually in control. And this, again, is clearly not true. Scripture is clear that God is sovereign over all things and that his will cannot be stopped. God has both a decreed will and a declared will. What is that? Well, his decreed will involves what he has ordained to take place in the world. His declared will includes what his commands, what he commands and what he makes known in his word. So we can see that God's desire for, for all people to be saved doesn't lead to universalism. And it doesn't mean that he isn't in control of all things. But it does mean that God loves all people and he desires their salvation. Second Peter 3.9 says that the Lord is patient with you, not wanting any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Or maybe we look at what the prophet Ezekiel says in Ezekiel 33.11. I take no pleasure in the death of the wicked, but rather that, that the wicked person should turn from his way and live. Repent. Repent of your evil ways. God desires the salvation of all people. And therefore, we must be praying for the salvation of all people. Secondly, secondly, we pray because God deserves the honor of all people. God deserves the honor of all people. How does Paul start verse 5? He says, there's one God. Why is that significant? Because there's one God. This isn't there, there's not a God for the Israelites and a different God for the French and, a, and a, a, another different God for the Americans. No, there's, there's one God. One God that deserves the praise of all people. If, if God then deserves the honor of all people, well then worship is the fuel of a world praying. We gather with other believers to declare that there's one God, right? We worship Him. We sing to Him. Our God is greater, stronger, higher than any other, right? We believe that. We pray that. That's the heart of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be Thy name. Or in other words, your name be honored as holy. 
Matthew 6, 9. Worship is the fuel of a world praying. Worship is also the goal of world praying. Why do we pray? So, so that all kinds of people will come to, to saving knowledge of God. So that, that they, they might bow down and worship Him. One day, all people will worship the name of God. We need to long for God to get the glory that He is due. The third reason that we pray, well, we pray because Christ died for the rescue of all people. We know this because in verses 5 and 6, well, we see not only is there one God, but also one mediator between God and humanity, Christ Jesus, who gave himself as ransom for all, the testimony given at the proper time. That, that word ransom literally refers to the price that would be paid for the rescue or release of a prisoner. This is the gospel in a nutshell. God, the, the, the one who is completely holy in all his ways and completely just in all his judgments, stands over and against us sinners who are completely deserving of all his judgments, meaning we desperately need a mediator to pay our ransom. Jesus is the perfect mediator because well, he's able to identify with both parties. No one else could represent God and mankind. He, he's able to identify with God because he's divine or, or fully God, Colossians 2.9, and yet at the same time, well, he can fully identify with mankind because he is himself human. Jesus was fully human in every way, yet without sin, it says in Hebrews 4.15. So, being both God and human, well, Jesus gave himself as a ransom by dying for us, even though he didn't deserve death. And 1 John 3.5 tells us that, that Jesus had no sin, and yet Jesus died, even though it was us sinners who deserved to die. We, we're the ones that deserve to pay the price, but it was a price that we couldn't pay. God, God took the full payment of sin on himself, and in the process, well, he rescued us from sin and death. But Jesus is not just our mediator in the past through what he did on the cross. No, no he, he lives as our, as our mediator right now. Right now, today, at this moment, Jesus is interceding for us, standing before God on our behalf. He's the means by which we can approach the throne of God and worship. And Jesus promises to be with us always, even to the end of the age. Which means he enables and empowers all that we do. Apart from Jesus, we can do nothing, right? The Son, the, the Son of God leads his church by his word and through his spirit. 
Jesus Christ is, is worthy of all the praise of all the people. When we take, when we take the gospel to our neighbors and, and to the ends of the earth, will we do it for the glory of the king? And, and make no mistake, he will be praised. Let, let's move on. Let's, let's drop down to verse 8. Verse 8, Therefore, I want the men in every place to pray, lifting up holy hands without wrath and dissension. And so, as we get into this text, well, we need to remember that, that it doesn't stand alone from the rest of Scripture. It's tied to what comes before it in First Timothy, and also into chapter 3 concerning elders and deacons. Paul is calling Timothy and the church in Ephesus to pray and to worship in light of the following realities. God's desire for the salvation of all people. God's deserving of the worship of all people. And Christ's death for all people. So Paul told us who to pray for and what to pray for. And now, now Paul's telling us who we need to be as we pray. Men and women who, who bring glory to God in the church. So, so, so this text doesn't stand alone in Scripture, but it also doesn't stand alone in and throughout history either. Paul is clearly addressing situations and problems that are evident in the, in the church at Ephesus. That they are written to a specific people at a specific time. And we don't have every detail surrounding this writing, but there are some things that are made clear in this passage. In verse 8, well, Paul talks about men who are either not leading in prayer at all, or they're praying in church while fighting among one, among one another. And, and then, well, in verses 9 through 12, Paul talks about women who, who wear some distracting things to church, and they're disrupting teachings and leadership of the church in some way. And so, even though these various instructions to men and women come out of a specific historical context, well, God's word still applies to all people at all times. Paul says, in verse 8, that he wanted men to pray in every place. Paul, Paul wanted men to pray in, in all places, but more importantly, he wanted them to pray with purity. Purity before God. He, he speaks about lifting up holy hands with the emphasis not being on the posture, but on the purity. Psalm 24, verses 3 and 4 say that, Who may ascend the mountain of the Lord? Who, who may stand in his holy place? The one who has clean hands and a pure heart. God's people need to be pure. Purity is essential to prayer. You can't... Hold on to sin in your life in one hand and at the same time approach God in prayer. 
No, we need to humbly confess our sins, being cleansed by the mercy of God through Christ, and then pray with purity before God. So Paul, Paul, Paul says we need to pray with purity before God, but he also says that, that we need to pray with peace before others. What does that mean? Well, it means that, that we pray without anger or argument. I mean, ask yourself this. In your life right now, is there unreconciled relationships between you and a brother and sister in Christ? And if there is, well, you need to make that right. You can't have peace with God if you refuse to have peace with others. We so often want to rush into corporate worship and just, just pass over our need to honestly confess our sins before God. But having a right heart is crucial for prayer and for God honoring worship within the church. By the grace of Christ, our hearts must be clean before God. We, we must worship and pray with purity before God and peace before others. And I have a lot more to say. We obviously haven't gotten through the whole chapter, but I think I'm running out of time. So, so let me just say this. Let me just say this. Brothers and sisters in Christ, we need to be praying. But we are so bad at praying in this country. But we need to be praying according to Scripture. But we need to be praying for unbelievers, for, for leaders in government. It, it doesn't matter what you think of them. God has called you to pray for them. And so... Well, let's be faithful to that calling. Let me, let me pray for us. Father God, we want to humbly come before you this morning and just recognize the importance of prayer, what you have called us into with prayer. Lord, I ask that as we get ready to go out from here, that, that, that these words wouldn't just go in one ear and out the other, but that they, they would sit on our hearts, that, that they would open our eyes to, to places where we come short in our lives, that places in our lives where, where we're living that, that aren't in accordance to your scripture, that we would see that we would recognize that and we would realign our hearts with your heart. Help us to, to honor you, to, to pray for our leaders. God, we want to pray for the leaders of our country, for the leaders of other countries, that you would open doors, that you would move through, through the ranks of, of the governments 
and that through that, it would open doors for your gospel to be spread and lived out so that all the people can see. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Come forward. Uh, go ahead, take the wall. Turn me down a little. Ooh, thank you. We're going to take an offering now, and uh, I just um, want to bless it now. Father in heaven, we do thank you for this time to. Return to you a portion of that which you have entrusted to us, to our care. Father, we pray that you would bless it mightily. Father, we put, put it to work to further the gospel of the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ in this community and our body. Father, we just thank you so much for overseeing our lives, giving us purpose. And Father, now as we return this offering, we pray that you, again, would, that you would bless it to the... Uh, your body in Jesus' name, amen. A little boy sat by a window on a summer night. Look, Grandma, a star, he said, the only one in sight. A wishing star, she said for you, so make yourself a wish or two, and maybe all your wishes will come true. Man on TV said there is a war. I don't think that's the same game that I play on the floor. Cause my soldiers don't have little boys and they don't die cause they're just toys. And the game's all over when they're put away. I wish we all could get along. I wish we all knew right from wrong. And I wish someone could help me understand. I wish my mom and dad were here, because I can't sleep when they're not near, and I wish that all the soldiers could come home, and 
Children fight, they take away our toys. When grown-ups fight, we all get hurt. They make much more noise. And people die and children cry. And no one seems to wonder why. No one really wins the game at all. They say this country is very far away. about it only what they say do they have little boys there too who wish on stars just like I do and wish there could be peace on earth again I wish we all could get along I wish we all knew right from wrong and I wish someone could help me understand I wish my mom and dad were here because I can't sleep when I wish that all the soldiers could come home, and I wish there could be peace on earth again. Little boy sat by a window on a summer night. Thank you. Would you stand with us, please, singing God Bless America? We don't have the words for you, and if you don't know the words, shame on you. out there on the table um, so if you're interested in reading about stuff that's going on in the church those are out there um, and before you guys leave I just encourage you guys to keep reading through first Timothy um, and I'm not lazy I, I have a lot more here I promise so we were gonna do the whole chapter two but oh well yeah, so Jeremiah's going to be back, I think, next week, so uh, read on your own, but um, have a great Memorial weekend, um, enjoy time with each other or family, um, and God bless you guys, have a good good rest of your week. Thanks. Also, somebody said that there's an organ, he has an organ, uh, yeah, raise your hand, sweetie, uh, that they're wanting to give to somebody, if anybody's interested. Come over and talk to them. Uh, everything works on it, apparently, but uh, it's, and I understand it's free. Right? Good price. Good price. Yeah, go ahead and check with them if that's something that you could use or uh, know somebody who could use it. Thank you. Good. Bye, everybody, and uh, have a good Memorial Day. Have a safe Memorial Day.